Hi, and welcome to Things of Interest. I'm Sophia Franks. And I'm Serena Chen. This episode is going to be a bit of a different episode because we're going to talk about things that give us strength. We figure that the world is occurring around us a lot right now. Um, and I mm-hmm. personally am at a time in my life where I'm needing to draw a lot of strength from a lot of different places. And so we thought having a whole episode where we talk about things we like um, and things <laughs> that make us, that we can draw strength from, things that make us feel strong, make us feel good, would be a really nice and positive way to sort of channel all of that anxiety. So I'm probably going to start off with a little anecdote. When I was an undergraduate at the prestigious University of Otago, there was a day, I think in like second or third year, where, and I had like a pretty, there were parts of undergrad that was pretty grim. Um, This was all before I started being medicated for depression, which was absolutely what I needed for my entire life. Uh, so I was sad all the time. It's very cold in Dunedin. That doesn't help. None of the houses actually have insulation. And there was a day where I went for coffee with a friend and I was just like crying about my life in the fix in the Center for Innovation. And he sort of said to me, like, while I was in the middle of being like, everything is horrible and nothing is okay. He was like, you are one of the strongest people I know. And whatever happens, I know that you'll get through it because you've dealt with so much already. And at the time, I kind of brushed it off because I was just like, clearly I'm not dealing with it. I am crying in public. But since then, that's been a memory that I've come back to a lot whenever I'm sort of feeling overwhelmed or like I can't deal with whatever's happening. And I think like absolutely part of adulthood is just sort of dealing with things hmm. again, if that makes sense. Like you yeah. have your internet cut off once and then you know how to deal with it next time. And That was something that kind of surprised me. And I was wondering if, Serena, you have any sort of similar experiences where at the time you were like, this is unhelpful, why is this happening? But it's actually become quite a cherished memory that you go back to a lot. I'm not sure if I have something, because I tend to do the very, like, New Zealand thing of not talking to anyone about any kind of negative feelings that I might have ever. Yeah, very cultural thing here. And I mean I I try not to, but it's it just I feel just so awkward telling anyone anything that's not positive or snarky or <laughs> sarcastic. Um Well, because you feel like you bring people down when you talk about bad shit. Yeah, and I feel like I don't know if I don't know what they're going through. Like they might be going through something worse 100 times worse and how dare i basically put my put my worries on someone else so i tend so i haven't got one of those kinds of memories but um i did go through like a pretty sad rough time and i like this was um this was at berkeley and i went downstairs we have a little little music room which is pretty cute and there's like a little piano like four o'clock in the morning <laughs> and I just started this sounds <laughs> this sounds really silly but I started writing a song I wrote a really sad song about my feelings and what was weird was that after I wrote it and after I let it all out I didn't feel as bad anymore and there's something about writing like exactly how you feel down and like why you feel that way and then you read back on it and you're like, this is, this is kind of silly. The, the problem that I have 
sounds silly now that I read it out loud. And because it sounds so silly, like I know I can get through it. Because like you said, like your friend said, you've gotten through stuff that's so much worse. Once you put that all in perspective, it's like, huh. Um, and I think there was a combination of like putting it in perspective and just letting all those feelings out and not stifling them, not worrying over them. Yeah, and like externalizing it. Yeah, one of the hardest things yeah. to do is to not feel bad for feeling bad. Yeah. Um, and this is definitely like a really big problem with like diagnosed mental illness, but also just with like moods, right? Like when you mm. are sad, when you're angry, when you're upset, it's really easy to just kind of be like, I shouldn't be feeling this way. Because we're absolutely sold this idea that like to be human and like to be living your best life means you're always happy. And I think like that's a false goal that was sold. Like, yeah. you shouldn't expect to always be happy you shouldn't want to always be happy there are some like times where sadness or anger is a legitimate and appropriate response to what's happening around you Hmm. but you should i think i think i think people should strive to be peaceful at peace with themselves Hmm. and this is something that like i've spent a lot of my life having because like i have feelings all the time many of them clinical um (laughs) i have pathological feels (laughs) and letting yourself have feelings is such a huge important part of finding that peace if that makes sense yeah absolutely it's definitely something so when i feel like the world is ending and there's nothing i can do and my life is over kind of thing something that's gotten me through every time I've felt that way is the knowledge that that feeling itself is real. It's going to be there and it's going to be there for the next maybe few hours, depending on what time of day it is and when I get to sleep. And then it's going to not be there. Yeah. Because again, like we've been through this before. We know that it's going to be horrible for the next, I don't know, five hours depending on what time of day it is. <laughs> and once you, and you just have to like let it pass. You just kind of have to be like, okay, I'm just going to feel shit for the next five hours. And that's the reality of it. And I think that's what's gotten me through definitely the hardest times is being like, I feel this way now, but I know I'm not going to feel this way later. And all I have to do is wait it out. And it seems kind of, I don't know if it seems unhelpful or unproductive. I'm not taking initiative, but for me, at least, just the simple act of waiting it out has gotten me through. It's kind of like a nice version of the dog on fire meme, where it's like, (laughs) this is okay, except in this case, the fire goes out by itself. (laughs) I haven't told you this already. I'm very excited to tell you. Um, Yeah. I got my first tattoo last night. Oh, <laughs> I got a strand of DNA. That's awesome. <laughs> it looks really cool. Oh. Um, but it was it's on my ribs, and that is a mm-hmm. very painful place to get tattooed, fun yeah. fact. And one of the things that helped me sort of stay still while she was doing it was, like, just thinking, this is painful, and it's okay that this is painful. Because mm. often when you're in pain, like, everything in your body is, like, you need to leave the thing that is making, like, putting you in pain. It's like, you know, mm. you touch a hot thing and your body is like, please stop touching this hot thing. Please stop it right now. And so just sort of, like, thinking and taking deep breaths and being like, 
it is right that this is painful um, was really helpful, and now I have a really cool tattoo. I'll send you a picture yes. later. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> when you're like, when you're sad or upset, what's the thing you do to make you feel better? What's your like go-to good feels thing? I guess it depends on what kind of upset. Something that was really, um, really surprisingly effective when I've been angry is that um, I get down and I did 10 push-ups. Yes. <laughs> and and then it's like, okay, I don't, like, I'm still angry. I'm still, I'm still pissed off, mad as heck, but <laughs> it's a little more manageable now. Like, I feel like before I didn't have things under control and now after 10 push-ups I'm a bit tired it's it's kind of like if you're feeling things that is not under control and if you temporarily treat yourself like a child having a tantrum mm -hmm. and just like I'm just gonna tire myself out I'm just <laughs> gonna do some physical activity 10 push-ups okay I feel a little more tired I'm gonna do another 10 <laughs> like my arms are hurting now but I feel like my emotions are more manageable so when I'm that kind of upset physical activity helps when I'm just sad taking that sadness up to 11 and being really melodramatic alone <laughs> by myself and just like crying it out because it's that it's that knowledge that I have that I feel terrible now but it's gonna go away and then I I tell myself maybe if I feel really really terrible it'll go away faster <laughs> Does that work? I don't know if this is help. I don't know if this is helpful to anyone, but this is what I do. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's the same um, theory. Like, you can't bake cookies at a thousand degrees for thirty seconds. <laughs> I feel in the same way if something's making you really sad. You can't just like get it out by like feeling all of the sadness. But you know, if it works for you, that's fine. I mean, it doesn't always work. I think <laughs> what does work though is that. Um, like eventually, because this is usually at night time, eventually I will fall asleep by like five in the morning, six in the morning kind of thing. And then once you wake up again, you know how memories of the day, like everything that's happened today is real, mm. but everything that's happened um, before you woke up is kind of like less real? Yeah. It feels less real. It's it's more of a memory and less of a thing that just happened. It's more of a long-term memory than a short-term memory. So usually, like, I'll be crying in bed, fall asleep, wake up again, and then the stuff that I was feeling the day before is a, a little more blurry. Um, it doesn't make as much sense. Like, in the moment, everything's so real, but you sleep on it you wake up the next day and it's like I felt really sad but I'm not sure why I just felt really sad and it doesn't affect me as much so maybe the the actual helpful piece of advice is not to be melodramatic alone <laughs> and cry yourself to sleep I mean that could be very fun <laughs> yeah but maybe it's just to take a nap and go to sleep <laughs> yeah uh, I think something I've really realized as I get older is like we're actually just still, like, we're just very tall children. Yeah. Like, we need sleep time, and we need food time, and we need this, yeah. and we need that. And whenever you're, like, very grumpy or, like, very snappy, it's like, have you eaten? Have you drunk water? Have you slept mm. enough? The answer yeah. to one of those is probably no. <laughs> like, yeah. go take care of it. 
when you're reading the news and you're like thinking about how terrifying the world is right now, what what do you do to escape from that? What do you do to get away from it? I do the stuff daily quiz. Um, <laughs> that's a really nice break for the news, actually. Like you'll read all the really terrible things, and then you're like, actually, I'm quite good at trivia, <laughs> and then you'll do the stuff daily quiz. Um, when I worked at ACC at like about nine thirty every morning, everyone in the office would do the stuff daily quiz and compare scores. Uh, I'm very happy that they now have both morning and afternoon quizzes. Um, <laughs> so I can compartmentalize my life quite readily. And, like, I think part of this is just, like, my life has been suffering TM uh, for a lot of it. Like, I've just been excessively unlucky in things that have happened both to me and to people I care deeply about. And so there was a point just after I moved to Melbourne, uh, a lot of people in my life died, and some of them were expected and some of them were very, very sudden, which was miserable. And after the second person that I sort of cared deeply about died in that space I was just like you know what I'm upset by this but I do not have the energy to be like progressively more upset every time this happens like I still have to cook for myself I still have to do that and so I just took all those feelings and I was like they're going over here and I will feel them later if I cry in a supermarket it's fine I just need to get on with my life and so I don't tend to get too freaked out by reading the news I'll read it and it'll be like maybe the US and North Korea are gonna have a nuclear war and I'm like okay I'll deal with that when it happens it's nothing I can do anything about. And yeah. I think that's something really important to remember, particularly like in New Zealand or Australia. Like if you're in the US, like you can definitely join counter rallies and do stuff. But like, I don't have the money to like fund anything. I mm. absolutely do not have an income right now. I don't have like the energy to put towards anything particular. And I have like some sick generalized. So like I get really overwhelmed by crowds. And so like, Australia is currently holding a postal vote as to whether marriage equality is okay. It's a non-binding vote. So every eligible Australian citizen for voting gets mailed out a thing that says like, hey, do you think marriage equality should happen? And then people mail it back and then the government goes, well, we're not going to do anything anyway. That's probably the most upsetting thing that's happening in the news right now. And there was a march for marriage equality in Melbourne recently, and I couldn't go because I'm trying to write my thesis. Like, yeah, realistically, I can have as many feelings as I like about the news, but I have to put them aside because my thesis is due in October, and it's like, mm, I don't have the strength to deal with this. And so yeah. being able to sort of compartmentalize like that can be really bad. <laughs> um, but in the short term, like, it's just useful. Like, you still get shit done. Yeah. No, I had um, a similar thing during my honors thesis time. Like there was a there was a lot of stuff in my life that was happening that was not great, not to the point of like people dying, but yeah, I did the same thing. I was like, okay, so my living situation's not great, and I need to get out of here. But I have a thesis due very very soon, so I'm just going to deal with that. I'm just going to ignore that. I'm going to write my thesis get that thesis out the door and then I will deal <laughs> with everything else. And I guess to the like when you get to the point where there's so much pressure on and there's so much to just to do to get done, then you kind of have to do that. So I listened to a podcast called Do By Friday, mm-hmm. which I very enjoy. Um, and they said something the other day, which like I, I don't think I've ever crystallized into words before. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially that 
freaking out is pointless. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you have the energy and the time to freak out about something, like, you go for it. Mm. But realistically, all it does is waste your time and energy. Um, yeah. I think, like, that's that's kind of what I mean when I talk about compartmentalizing emotions. It's just, yeah. like, recognizing that, like, this thing makes you emotional and you can just deal with it later. That's, um, that's how I dealt with – so after 48 hours, after the weekend of filming and no sleep – I realized that I'd lost my wallet. I was in the car with some friends and I was like, oh, oh I, just, I don't know where my wallet's gone. Oh, well, it'll turn up. And they're like, it's, it's great that you're not freaking out right now. I'm like, well, it'll either be in my flat or your flat or another friend's flat. It'll be around friends. It's fine. I don't, I'll just, and I can lock my cards. I can, I can deal with that later. Like if, if money goes missing from my account, I'll know. And that's fine. <laughs> and that, Worked out really well. Didn't freak out about it. That's a good piece of advice for the news right now. Because I am sitting here every day. Well, not every day, but sitting here just skimming the news and feeling so helpless and so small and uninfluential. And the problems are so real, affecting so many people. Their lives are in danger. And I'm just like, I, I don't know what to do. You do your yeah. best, right? Like, yeah, but what? What is that? <laughs> like, I'm I'm sitting here th- thinking, what is the most effective, impactful, and efficient use of my time to make the world slightly, by three points of a percentage, better than it was? And I don't know. I have no idea. But it also doesn't have to be something you do right now, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Time you spend developing skills and like developing and God I hate this word resilience, that is time you're investing into making the world a better place later. On the one hand, my thesis is a very direct kind of like this is useful for people who are affected by these disorders. This tells us a lot about like mitochondria and stuff. I guess I'm writing it like every day right now. <laughs> I'm just so dumb. <laughs> And on the other hand, like, I do feel bad about things. Like, I don't go to marriage equality rallies. I don't really attend, like, walks for justice in Melbourne. Like, there was a walk for justice for Elijah, Elijah being a young Aboriginal boy who was hit and killed by a man in, like, a truck or something. Yeah. And the, the white man in the truck was just like, oh, I thought he'd stolen the scooter, so I decided to run him over and then, like, got oh, let off wow. scot-free. Um so there's been a lot of rallies for that. And, like, I do feel bad that I can't attend those. But I also recognize that, like, overextending myself doesn't help anyone. And so, like, you need to do the self-care and the not necessarily attending rallies all the time and the, like, not engaging in public debate if you can't. Like, I do not have the mental capacity or the energy to engage in this marriage equality, quote-unquote, fair and balanced debate. Like, it's absolutely disgusting the kind of rhetoric that is being allowed to occur in Australia and part of that is that because it's a survey and not an actual like binding website or anything the ads aren't governed by electoral ad rules oh yeah so there have been posters put up around Melbourne that say things like and I'm quoting here but like I want to quote because I think it's important to know the kind of rhetoric that's occurring but like posts are saying things like stop the fags holy shit 
and claiming that children in same-sex couples experience much higher rates of abuse than children in heterosexual couples. And it's like, well, I mean, that's not true. <laughs> like, this study you're quoting, like, absolutely has terrible methods. Like, Holy shit. I'm, I'm insulted on two levels, as a non-straight person and as a scientist. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, I, I don't have the energy to engage in that. And when, like, when I get really upset by that, I still haven't kind of worked out, like, the best method of self-care. Like, currently, my self-care is just working on science a lot because it takes up my brain. I don't have any space left to think about the fact that, oh, a leak, a non-trivial portion of Australia thinks I don't deserve equal rights to them, and all the entire country is getting to have a say on whether I can get married in a vote, like, I can't vote in. So that's fun. That's pretty great. I just – I don't – I don't know the best way to deal with that yet. Mostly I just talk about it to people. I, like, yell about this garbage spider tornado of a country to my friends. And I find that very cathartic. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think that is helpful, just <laughs> externalising feelings in any way. Talking about things sort of has two two purposes to it. And so, like, um, when, my, when my grandma that I was close to died, I couldn't say it. For a few days because it feels like when you say things they become more real yeah by the same extent like talking about my feelings means i spend more time thinking about them and spending like energy on them which like, i don't necessarily want to do but it also validates them mm-hmm. and that's huge i think like talking about your feelings and being forced to explain why you feel the way you do can really help you crystallize why you're feeling a particular way and for me it's that australia's Terrible. Um, <laughs> just kind of what it comes down to. Also, just, like, the number of white, straight, small-L liberals who are like, oh, but Australia is so much better than many other countries. And it's like, cool, I'm not going to get That's killed for my sexuality. But also, for some reason, strangers get to say whether I can get married or not. Cool. What? Oh. <gasps> I really despise the whole but kids are starving in Africa argument towards things because it's like hey we're talking about issue x it is a thing that affects a lot of people and it is a thing that we should talk about it's a thing that is not great and some dickhead comes in it's like but somewhere else has it worse and you're just like that's not what we're talking about here but also like multiple things can be bad well done like yeah yeah, that that's a thing that can happen, and it doesn't mean that we stop talking about everything and just focus on the worst thing, because there are a lot of people in this world. There's a lot of issues. I mean, that's something you see a lot of political discourse, where people are like, but the government can't care about that, because it has to care about this, and it's like, wow, spoiler alert. People can, can multitask. Wow. <laughs> Stuff can be two things. Oh, we get this a lot, like, whenever people are talking about, about things like sexual assault and domestic abuse towards women and someone eventually inevitably hops in and says but men get sexually abused too and it's like yes that is a really really important issue that we have to talk about just not what we're talking about right now and just because that is also an incredibly serious issue doesn't mean that suddenly women getting sexually abused and assaulted is not a serious issue anymore like i read this just as a read this statistic somewhere something like one woman per week in australia is killed by her partner through domestic violence so 
They have absolutely zero time for men being like, men are also abused. It's like, yeah, they are. And everything that is proposed to support victims of domestic abuse, like, and survivors of domestic abuse will help men as well. Yeah. So sorry for focusing on the people who are literally killed. And like, I have, I have absolute sympathy. And I think it's male survivors of domestic abuse are not talked about a lot because often it's very insidious um, and they're not taken seriously very often. Like, I think that's a huge problem. But I also think that like they're not dead at the end of it. Yeah, yeah. And it's like the, the cause of this problem is patriarchal structures. It's, it's like the problem that they are faced with is that society doesn't believe that men can be abused and mm. that that is an outcome of the patriarchal structure that we live in it's and we expect men to be you know strong and not able to be abused and that's the same thing that causes other men to abuse women so it's like guys are fighting the same fight here it's just yeah i do think that some of our narratives surrounding it need to change like there was a season of the uh bachelor quite recently um the american bachelor where one of the um bachelorettes sort of told a story about like chasing down and beating up her fiance and it was like played for laughs and it was like mm, mm. yeah i get that like um i think he had cheated on her or something and so she like pre-planned a chasing him down and beating him up and it was like yeah like i get that he cheated on you but also that was premeditated do not yeah, that's kind of scary. Yeah. Um, and that was just sort of like, oh, this is a funny thing that she did. Ha ha. And it's like, okay. No. None of this. No. All right. What's your go-to feel-good TV series? Go-to feel-good. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah. We're done. Yeah. I was ready for yeah. you to say Outrageous Fortune. Oh, I do love Outrageous Fortune, but I don't think it's... So it's something that I'd watch once, twice, and it's like, I've seen it now. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is something that I have seen probably four or five times, like the <laughs> whole thing. <laughs> and yeah, it's, I'll say. it's like um, soup for the soul. It, you just, I don't know what it is about it, but I feel so much better just watching it. And the, every, I think it's something to do with how everyone is so sincere on that show. And there's still something about those characters that are so genuine in what they love and what they do and how they carry themselves. I don't know. It just makes me happy. And they're friends who, like, genuinely love and support each other. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just a great show, and it, it lifts me up no matter what. How about you? I, I've got a few. So Parks and Rec is the one I'm doing right now, which, of course... Leslie Knife's goals. I've been generally like when I'm in a really bad mood, I watch Go On, which is a, like a sitcom that only had one season. It stars Matthew Perry as the main character, so Chandler from Friends. And basically, what happened was before the season started, his wife died really suddenly, um, and he goes back to work as a sports commentator on the radio, and he is not dealing with it well, so is forced to join a group grief counselling thing. And the sort of series, the season follows him in, a, in his grief counselling session. And it's just, it's very good. 
Mm. Uh, and I think it shows people dealing with loss very well um, and sort of like shows friendships developing and people healing. And it's also just cute. It's really cute. <laughs> um, and one of the people in the grief counseling group is a hardcore lawyer who is a lesbian called Anne and I love her and I want to be her. Oh, that and like MasterChef Australia. <laughs> um, my favourite thing about that show being, well, A, beautiful, delicious food, and B, it's a reality TV show where all the contestants are friends, they genuinely care about each other, they support each other, and it's like, this is great. Why aren't reality shows more like this? Yeah, Anisha has got me back into watching uh, Great Big Quiz of Everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been watching old episodes of that, which is very good because you can put it on just for a few segments and then turn it off again. So I watch like maybe 15 minutes of it in the morning before I go to work. And it's just like, oh, this is nice. Oh, Bridge Day Awadi is perfect. Gosh, I'd watch it on anything. Have you seen Submarine? No. So it's a film that Bridge Day Awadi directed. And it is, it is very good, but I saw it when this guy that I knew that had a huge crush on me was like, we should watch this movie. And I was like, okay, fine. Like, I'm not doing anything else. And then he kept like awkwardly trying to hit on me all night, even though I've been pretty clear as to the fact that I was not interested. And I was like, cool. So I get to fend you off while watching this ostensibly very good movie. Wish I could focus on it. Good. Um, but it was also, like, it was entirely filmed in, like, the golden hours, so, like, the hour, I think, oh. before sunrise? After uh, sunrise, yeah. before sunset. After sunrise, before sunset, yeah. Yeah. So it's really beautiful to watch. It's got a great soundtrack. I just have, like, weird associations with it. <laughs> I like cooking as well. I find, like, making bread to be really cathartic because you get to punch it a lot. I don't know if these are things that, like, make me strong. They make me, like, just good at dealing with stuff which i guess is the same thing yeah i mean whatever gets you through is is just as good yeah cooking is really good anything that like requires you to focus all of your brain onto a single task a couple of episodes ago i talked about how i really enjoyed doing like random math problems yeah you did and like proofs yeah that's that's also really good just to have your entire brain focused on one thing I guess that's why people like colouring in books. Mm-hmm. And knitting, I think. Mm. I used to do more knitting, but um, when it's too hot, it hurts my hands, so I can't do it so much in Australia. Ah, Australia. Tornado spider fire. Great. <laughs> I'm just going to start, like, stringing terrible words together, and everyone knows that they mean <laughs> Australia. I don't really... I don't know. I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this so it doesn't sound really mean, but... Mm-hmm. I don't really draw strength from my family, if that makes sense. Like, it's really nice having, knowing that they will always be in my corner. But I don't, like, call them and talk to them very much about stuff in my life. No, neither. But I think it's kind of, like, a strength just to know that you'll have someone who's always there for you if if you do need it. Yeah, because I don't really, like, call or talk to or message my family much either you head back to see them quite a bit though don't you no not as much as i like to like probably once twice a year at most oh okay yeah no it would be good to head back more but there is something um and maybe it's something that we don't realize because it's such a constant in our lives is that like we have that in the background we know they'll be there if like everything does turn to shit if um my house burns down 
tomorrow <laughs> and um and I get fired from my job the same day and I don't know my bank accounts all freeze me out in the same day um then yeah like that's that's there god if my house went down tomorrow I get a very big talk about how I should have had contact insurance yeah same <laughs> Jesus. no one burn down either of our houses please we do not have insurance thanks <laughs> Something I have, like, a lot of time for as well is found family, mm. um, which I think is, like, a much more common narrative in sort of um, gender and sexuality diverse circles, uh, just because, like, a lot of people often will get, like, kicked out from their family or they don't feel they can mm. be their own authentic selves with them. And so, you know, we just kind of generate our own families. Uh, and that's pretty cute. That's nice. That's really good. I find it a bit weird because in Australia it's pretty uncommon for people to move to go to uni. So a lot of people are still living with their parents when they're at uni or in the same um, city as their parents while they're at uni. And so a lot of people my age who are often you know, still attending university because um, every qualification takes a million years these days, um, yeah. they won't super understand the concept and that, like, I'll try and sort of, like, you know, I'll become really good friends with someone, and I'm like, now we have family. And they're like, well, no, like, they won't, they don't treat me as being, it's hard to explain this. When you accept someone as family, that is saying, like, we will fight, but I will always have your back. Yeah. And for people who have always lived with the backstop of their parents so available, I think it's very tough to understand that that kind of relationship with your parents or your siblings can exist with people who are not biologically related to you or haven't grown up in the same house as you. And I found that, like, quite difficult to explain to my friends in Australia. And, like, it has resulted in, like, a few friendships falling apart because people just won't understand that even though I think they're being a dick, like, (laughs) I'll still always have their back. Like, if something comes up, I will just always, you know, be their backstop, essentially, because they're that important to me. And they'll be like, well, how can you say that if you also think I'm being a dick? It's so, like, insincere. It's like, no, it's not. (laughs) It's the fact that you're being a dick. (laughs) If my brother's being a dick, I'm going to tell him that. But, like, I'm not going to not like him. Like, he's still my brother. (laughs) Yeah, there's a a separation between, like, your actions, the value of your actions, and your inherent value as a human being to another human being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a much clearer way of putting it than my (laughs) five-minute ramble. Thank you. Something else I was thinking, actually, just so I can keep talking. Um, (laughs) So I've been having some friends stay with me, um, and they are 19. And sometimes they'll, like, bring their other friends around who are also sort of 19, 20, little second years. Uh, And I found it, like, really – sometimes they will do or say – very illogical things and I found it really fascinating to just kind of like watch them and let them do it because it does like to an extent like it reminds me of being like 19 like I was definitely not (laughs) the most logical human at that age um but I also hadn't really realized like how much maturity I gained sort of like between being 19 and being 25 and it's it's also been um it's been quite funny in that sometimes they'll ask me something uh, or be like, oh, is it okay if I do this? And I'll just be like, I trust your judgment. Like, 
Mm. Please don't fuck up my house. I trust your judgment. <laughs> like this is this is my only thing here, and they'll often be quite shocked by that, uh, or at least they appear to be shocked. Um, I can't read minds. Yeah, no, I just found that really interesting. Like sort of seeing it is. even how slightly younger people navigate the world. Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day because it seems like from the age of like when you're a teen, every single year is so influential to and it's filled with so much change in who you are as a human being but when when you are past like your 20s um suddenly it's like every single year starts melting together and i remember thinking i don't know if i've grown as a person in the last five years but then you meet someone who is like 19 20 and you're yeah. like oh yeah no i've definitely grown definitely grown and i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we aren't physically changing as 20 year olds like when you're in your teens i've gained a lot of weight during my phd but okay (laughs) (laughs) but you know what i mean like yeah i do as a teen like you're in the middle of growth spurts and like acne is suddenly (laughs) and and physically you're changing just as much as you're mentally changing and now we're just like well this is this is me more or less uh and it's easy to forget that we are growing and evolving every year. <laughs> it's so funny, though. <laughs> it's like we've optimized a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I know how to make eggs. This is what I do now. Yeah. God, they all listen to this podcast, so I want to like just kind of preface this by saying, like, I absolutely don't judge your actions at all, kids. But, like, they were eating, <laughs> they were eating curry the other night, and the curry arrived super late, so they are all starving. And one of them was like, oh, can I serve it, like, just on the mattress on the floor? And I'm like, yeah, just, like, don't spill it. If you think you cannot spill it, you can serve it there. And then one of the other ones was kind of like, what are you doing? Don't serve it on the mattress. You will almost definitely spill it. And it was just kind of like, yeah, I guess, like, knowing yourself, Mm. I think is a big part of it. Like, if I tried to serve curry on a mattress, I would straight up spill it. So I would always do it, like in the kitchen, like, on a surface I know I can wipe down. (laughs) Like, just set everything up so even if I fuck up the worst I possibly could, I can fix it really quickly. (laughs) Um, And I found it, like, just... It was quite funny to watch, just kind of, like, them both trying to navigate a house that wasn't theirs and a space that wasn't theirs. But also... I think this is very much a late teen thing, sort of figuring out where what they need to ask figures of authority for or about, if that makes sense. Mm. Like, I very much was that when I like first went to uni. I was like, hold on, I don't have to ask anyone to stay out all night. What's <laughs> going on? <laughs> you know, you have that stage where you eat Tim Tams for dinner like for a week and then you realise that you definitely shouldn't do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it was just, it was really nice to kind of see that happening in people like around me again. It was really sweet. Yeah. I miss my mouth a lot when I try and feed myself, so... Oh my god, Serena. <laughs> well, it's like, um... That's fine. One of them was, like, eating dinner lying down. I'm just like, huh. Yep. But that's uncomfortable. Oh well, you'll figure it out. <laughs> like... Yeah. You'll get past that. I think that. we all have to go through that, yeah. The whole, like, I can eat whatever I want for dinner for a week, and then you're like, oh, actually, maybe I can't. I <laughs> To the point where you're, like, craving vegetables. 
Also, I've been um, I've been packing my own lunch for work, and it's just got to the point where I have um, pre-boiled eggs, mm-hmm. carrot sticks and hummus, and pre-packaged cheese and crackers, and um, dried mm-hmm. apricots. And it's just like it's ridiculous. Like I would never have done this at eighteen. I would have just been yeah. like mm, a bag of chips. <laughs> So now you're optimizing for for brain performance. So optimizing for brain performance, low weight and fullness attributes. So that's all mm. my high protein stuff. Yeah, protein's good. Except the um, apricots, which is sugar for the afternoon slump. Um, <laughs> I don't <laughs> want to explain why I pack my lunch the way I do. <laughs> I don't want to be that kind of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've gone from like a really interesting semi-intellectual conversation podcast to a self-help podcast hi and welcome to things of interest where today we're going to explain to you some key foods to get over that afternoon slump oh Oh, piss off five things you didn't know about posture (laughs) one weird trick to get rid of belly fat doctors hate her doctors (laughs) not just not for like knowing this trick but she's just a bit of a dick (laughs) yeah yeah. no doctors like We can be so strength. Yeah, strength. Yeah, we can do that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I can talk about like sources of strength without mentioning Greg, who's my partner. (gasps) So cute. I don't know if you've mentioned him like my name on this podcast before. Oh, no, he's great. It's kind of like what you were talking about when you were talking about like chosen family kind of thing. It's just having someone who you always know is going to be there for you no matter what. Yeah, just shout out to him for being awesome and a genuinely kind and beautiful human being. I very much um, discovered at the end of my PhD why everyone always thanks their partners in completion seminars. (laughs) I think I would be having a much easier time of it if I was at all able to date anyone ever. Which, to be fair, is a much bigger hurdle to me getting married than um, (laughs) not being legal in (laughs) Australia. (laughs) Although, like... I don't know, like, romantic relationships definitely aren't everything, though. And I think to some degree it's easier to... Because society um, touts a romantic relationship as such an important thing, I think it's really easy for people to get into romantic relationships that are unhealthy. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, this is expected of me. And certainly when I was younger and at uni, like, that was the thing. And because it was such, like, an important thing, society told me it was such an important thing, you you let a lot of um, more unhealthy things slide. Because mm-hmm. you're like, oh, but, like, you know, if you love this person, you'd let this thing slide kind of thing. And that's that's that shouldn't be the case at all. And that's definitely something that I learned is that having a partner – is not about just having a partner it's about like finding a compatible person for you and you to them and being that support and having that mutual respect is is more important than anything yeah and that's something that you can find in just friends just friends? Friends. Like, it's something that you can find <laughs> Platonic with relationships. <laughs> Platonic relationships are incredibly important. And yeah. just just to have, like, like you said before, like a family outside of your, your biological family. Oh, absolutely. Like, I um, 100% hold that, like, Angus is the most important person in my life. And I would never 
be in a romantic relationship with him. We just, like, we mm-hmm. don't have that dynamic. <laughs> but he was, like, he's absolutely the most important person to me. And, yeah, that's just, it's a very important platonic relationship to me. I think when I was in uni, I went aggressively the other way. When I went, like, Sophia, if you loved yourself, you would dump them. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm still yes. trying to figure out a happy medium <laughs> of, like, not breaking up with people as soon as I'm like, mm, this isn't making me optimally happy, so uh, <laughs> bye. <laughs> you're like the um, <laughs> you're like the the friend that that everyone has, but to yourself. <laughs> it's just like you should dump them. Dump it. Every so often, uh, my friends will get me in on a conversation about relationship advice, and it's always because they secretly want me to tell the person in question to dump him. <laughs> But, like, nine times out of ten, that's good advice. It is, yeah. No, men are trash. Um, (laughs) I think we can also get scared of not, like, okay, having a romantic partner is real nice. And, like, I am firmly in support of the fact that you can get everything you need emotionally from strong and healthy platonic relationships. Mm, Absolutely. But it's also just, like, real nice to have a romantic partner who's, like, fully dedicated to you and when you go out on cute dates together it's adorable and (laughs) you just you always have someone to talk to about your day so sometimes I'll have days where like I won't really talk to my colleagues or like we'll only talk about work after a couple of days of that I have to tell someone about how I'm doing and having a romantic partner just gives you like that go-to person where you're like who do I tell about this oh them and that's very much like a relationship I want (laughs) this is so angsty Um, (laughs) and so like I think it's just important to recognize what, and this sounds very harsh, but like what function relationships serve for you and like you and your partner are amazing and like hashtag goals. That picture of you two was very cute. I was like, Oh my God, (laughs) I love it. I love seeing my friends together and happy. And like that can be in romantic relationships or platonic relationships. I'm like, I don't Mm. care. I want them all to be happy. (laughs) Um, But equally, like I, I don't know. I feel like I'm getting better at romantic relationships. I wasn't very good for a bit there because I just kept freaking out that people would die, which, to be fair, with my track record is, like, kind of legit. But, yeah, we'll get there. I'll figure it out. Or I won't, and that doesn't really matter. Like, I think I have some really strong platonic relationships. Super important. A lot of what gets us through tough times is being able to externalise our current feels whether that's to a notepad or um a friend or a partner or just it must hmm? suck to be a spy then yeah like you must get like real sad about that sometimes just because you can't really talk about it yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> suck to be a spy. yeah um, don't be a spy kids <laughs> <laughs> it would be super lonely or if you are a spy it'd be like yeah. a partner spy yeah, like the Americans. Yeah. Which is another great show, by the way. Pretend yeah. to be dating, to be, like, getting close to your mark. <laughs> Best fan fiction prompt ever. Boom. Yeah, but it's something that I notice specifically men don't do. As mm. much as just externalizing what they're feeling. So, hey dudes, <laughs> it's okay to talk to your friends about how you're feeling. Yeah, oh god. Also, talk to multiple multiple friends about how you feel. Don't just put it all on one friend. 
I've yeah, been that one friend well. for so many of my male friends, and while I love them and I care deeply about them, it also makes me want to murder them. It's it's too much. It gets to a point, yeah. So, you know, tactically spread that, that feels out. <laughs> spread the love. Or or write angsty songs. That always works. It's really hard. Wear eyeliner while you write it. I'm oh, that. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> There's like, okay, so... Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about a thing that happened. This has been like the entire podcast for me today. It's just been like, how do I words? I mean, that's my life though. Okay. So platonic friendships. While it's really important to have good and strong platonic friendships, I think it's also really important to recognize that like sometimes they can have an end, like in the same way that relationships can have an arc, like, um, mm-hmm. I think friendships can a lot as well. And I think often the expectation that you are friends forever, friends for life is kind of unfair um, and puts a lot of unnecessary pressure on friendships. Whereas like, if it was more okay to just be like, this friendship isn't working out for us, that would be like easier. Cause currently like, it is really difficult when you're no longer friends with someone who used to be really close friends with. And that can happen for a number of reasons. And often it's just like, you've kind of grown apart a little bit actually. So, uh, <laughs> and so like quite, quite recently I had the cool and fun experience where I told one of my best friends about a sexual assault that happened um, a few years ago that like, I've only sort of been <sighs> dealing with now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause apparently my brain was like, you appear to be trying really hard to write your thesis. Instead <laughs> Do you want to deal with this repressed memory? Like, (laughs) you appear to be writing a letter. Can I offer assistance? And he just stopped talking to me. And that was really tough, but I sort of had to recognize that, like, it was a really nice friendship and now it has probably reached its end. I mean, I can't know for sure because he hasn't said anything to me, but that's just like, that's how it goes sometimes. And to be fair, like, if, he would stop talking to me after I did something really difficult. Like that's not cool of him as a friend. Uh, but equally like the thing I've really drawn strength from there. And that's sort of why I wanted to talk about this is like, Mm. I felt really secure in the knowledge that I'd done the right thing. Yeah. And that can be really hard when your actions have, you know, knock on effects and because you want to be like, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. Like, I want you to be happy. I want you to like me. It was all a mistake. Don't, don't even worry about it. Don't even trip. I was, I made it all up. It's fine. But, like, I would occasionally get urges to say, you know, something like that. Just be like, don't even worry about it. Let's, let's just never talk about this again. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But I knew that I'd done the right thing by telling him. And that, like, that yeah. was sort of the correct thing to do. And like, I, I had been before I disclosed, like I haven't started to feel guilty that I hadn't told him because it concerned like another friend of hers. And it was like, Whoa, friendship circles, mm. social navigation is horrible. I have autism. And that's something really nice. And I think like the general analogy for that, um, is in the prisoner of Azkaban when like, you know, a serious black stayed sane by just thinking about the fact that he was innocent And he could do that because being innocent wasn't a happy thought. It was just a true thought. And I think true things are what I often draw strength from. Like, because when you're really, really upset or hurt or just down about something, it can be hard to have happy thoughts. 
but it isn't hard to have true thoughts. Precisely. I don't know, there's something about cold, hard reality that can be really encouraging. And it might have something to do with the fact that, like, oh, I'm sad now, but I know it's, I'm not going to be this sad in five hours or when I wake up. Or this time really sucks now and it feels like the world is ending, but I know it's, that's going to pass. Or, um, or right now I have a thesis due and I just need to focus on that. <laughs> like, the cold hard truth of reality can be weirdly encouraging. And I don't know if it's because when we are feeling overwhelmed with emotion, we tend to get kind of locked in our own heads and start spiraling down like this this deep dark thought hole in our own heads and suddenly like all these hypotheticals seem more real and suddenly the world is ending and no wrongs can be righted ever again. And just looking out the window, talking to another person, knowing that the world is going to keep doing its thing and you have a choice whether you're just you know you're gonna keep doing your thing that's having a nice customer service interaction yeah that is my shit on depression days it's just like going and ordering coffee and having like a nice chat with the barista for like three minutes and then leaving it's like <laughs> yeah got it yeah, and it's like a weird reminder that even though you're dealing with like your own thing in your own head right now, the world is still going. It's not, you know, that barista is, is still going to smile at you and offer you coffee and ask you how your day is. And that's weirdly comforting in a way. So nice. I think that's a really good note to end on. Yeah. Um, so thanks for sticking with us through this probably quite bizarre and off-brand episode <laughs> where we taught you about that one weird trick to lose belly fat. Uh, the answer is don't. Your body is beautiful. Live your best life. If you want to work out, work out. If you don't want to work out, don't. Just be healthy and be good. We talked about things that made us, that helped us draw strength. Whether that be friends or diaries or partners or people in customer service Woo. we can't tell you how to live your life how to be strong how to experience anything at all uh, but we really hope this episode has sort of like helped you think about things that make you strong and if you want to share any of those with us uh, we're always on castinginterest at gmail.com at castinginterest on twitter and we're on facebook at things of interest if you enjoyed this episode or if you enjoyed our previous more on brand episodes <laughs> please do share it with a friend um, that's how we grow and that's how this keeps going um, and as always leave us a review on the iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts we love reading your reviews they're so nice so cool but also if you want us to do anything different um, if you have any comments criticisms anything at all let us know and we will uh, be all ears yeah if you really like this episode please let us know because like mm, this is very different we can do more stuff like this if you want but that's it from us and yeah. as always stay interesting see ya